0: So I don't know, how many remember Romper Room? Let me see if you remember Romper Room. Yeah, do you remember Miss Patty or whoever it was? She had a magic mirror. And at the end of the show, she held that up and she would say, I see, I have the magic cell phone. Right here it is, ready? I see, let me look, let me see who I see. Oh, magic cell phone, who is watching? I see Becky and I see Barney and I see Teddy and Barbara and I see Tim and Jan and Bob and Linda Actually, it's just Facebook that tells me who's watching. So that's, that works too. We're really glad that you guys can be with us on uh, the live stream and it's working okay. We're thankful for those who made that happen. I would like to ask all of you, if you would, uh, to open your Bibles this morning. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 and we're not going to read that until almost the end of the message. So if you want to open to it now, that would be a good idea. And if you open to it now, then you will be able to, uh, um, flip right there if your finger's in it when we get to that part of the message, but it's gonna be late in a message that we're gonna read this. As always, there is a Bible app event for this, and that's helpful to you if you have the Bible app, you can zip right along there uh, and follow through, okay? So there's a couple stories here I've told before. I wanna tell you again, I kinda of wanna add a different dimension to it, uh, each of them as I, I tell them to you. Uh, one of them is about a headstone in a cemetery in San Antonio, Texas. And on that headstone in the cemetery is an inscription of disappointment. I first read about this in Max Lucado's book, Six Hours, One Friday. And the epitaph that is there, it really catches your attention. Here's what it says. Grace Llewellyn Smith sleeps, but rests not. Loved, but was loved not. Tried to please, but pleased not died as she lived, alone. You think about that and you think, wow, what kind of events in her life must have led to that epitaph being put there? And did she write those words ahead of her death or did someone write them in retrospect concerning her? We don't have the answer to that. But what we do know is that that sounds like a life of disappointment, does it not? And it might sound like something that from time to time, you could say about yourself, maybe you feel that way occasionally. Because some of us know what it is to get some sleep, but not really get any rest. And sometimes I think all of us know or have known what it means to give love without receiving love. And who hasn't offered kindness to somebody and waited to see that kindness come back in return? And who has not felt alone? I think all of us have felt alone. Even the, the idea of Being alone in a crowd is not an uncommon thing. These feelings are really common to humankind. And as common as they are, they really seem to be amplified by the pandemic. Maybe you haven't felt them, but most of us have. Many people have said to me, man, Thanksgiving just isn't going to be or isn't or wasn't what we wanted it to be. Our family couldn't get together. That Macy's Day Parade was nothing but a rerun. I personally think it's a rerun every year. (laughs) You can't tell when I'm smiling because of the mask, can you? There was no Steeler game. Disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. And as we enter Advent, I think many are bracing themselves for even more disappointment. Do you remember the time that Christmas was almost canceled? Anybody remember that? I remember seeing it on television. It was a real bad snowstorm, black and white. They were pushing cars out of the snow. Newspaper headline, might have to cancel Christmas. And if it weren't for one red-nosed reindeer, it would have actually been canceled. I don't know if you remember that or not, right? Christmas canceled. This time, though, in some respects, it feels kind of uh, real. It's not the weather that bothers us or that worries us. Instead, as it stands, it's honestly hard to imagine that the commonwealth will not once again instruct people to stay home and not gather together as families. Wow. Stay home for Christmas. It adds a whole new dimension to, I'll be home for Christmas. That song, yeah, it kind of turns it into a bad song, right? And not gathering as, as families. I think what, whatever the Commonwealth says, there will be families that will do what they did at Thanksgiving and say, you know what? I just don't know if it's safe for us to be together. One of us might have been exposed. And man. Christmas without family gatherings, that can be hard, right? And this is something that many of you have already asked me about. As it stands right now, it is hard to imagine packing this sanctuary with 250 people at seven o'clock on Christmas Eve and singing Silent Night while the lights have been turned down holding our candlesticks together. I gotta tell you, (laughs) that is my favorite part of Christmas. My very favorite part. And it looks like as it stands right now, it looks like I'll be in for some disappointment. You know, at Kermansville Alliance, we're not afraid to talk about disappointment. In fact, we have this kind of motto or identity statement, real God, real life, real people. We believe there's a real God who really acts in our life and has expectations of us. We believe that life isn't some easy thing to do, that sometimes it's very difficult and we embrace the good along with the bad in life. and And we're real people. We try not to pretend to be somebody we're not. We try to be authentic and honest about our victories as well as our failures. Kind of want to tweak that identity statement this Advent and talk to you about real God, real life, real Christmas. And I, I want to talk to you about the real struggles that you might have through the holiday season. And this first one is disappointment. I want to remind you that disappointment is indeed part of real life. How's that phrase in The Princess Bride go? Wesley looks at the guy and he says, Get used to disappointment. It's just one of the lines there. Because disappointment is common, it is downright universal. Everyone you know is dealing with disappointment right now. And throughout the ages, everyone you have known has felt the same way disappointed that their life was not turning out the way they had hoped. And we realize that disappointment is just part of living in this world. Sometimes when People face troubles, they say to themselves, what did I ever do to make this happen? What is it I've done? And I have i think that's a reasonable question. I'll talk about that in a moment, but I wanna say this to you. I wanna say to you, the pain you face in life is not always your fault. I'm gonna say it two more times, hear it. The pain you face in life is not always your fault. One more time, the pain you face in life It's not always your fault. You will experience disappointment in life no matter how carefully or how perfectly you live. Jesus himself, Jesus himself encountered disappointment. Think of his words in Matthew 17 when he says to the people, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? That's disappointment. And Jesus had done nothing to deserve that. He simply lived in a world where disappointment was commonplace. And it's important that you realize that the disappointment you face is not always your fault. It's equally important to realize that disappointment can be part of our old way of thinking, or it can be linked to our old way of thinking. Old thought processes like old habits are hard to change. I mean, if you ever took up swearing. <laughs> using words that are generally frowned upon, you know what I'm talking about. Don't you wish that you'd never incorporated some of those words into your working vocabulary? Because when stuff happens, you want to say stuff happens, but that's not the way it always comes out. Old thought processes, thought processes, they kind of stick with you. And most of us have picked up a faulty thought process concerning disappointment. It goes like this, if I do things just right, then everything will be okay. If I do things just right, then everything will be okay. And then, if we're honest, we can see beneath it, there's kind of a bargaining thing going on with God, to the point that what we're actually kind of trying to say is, if I do things just right, God owes me, and he needs to come through for me, and he needs to make everything okay. Okay. And then when he doesn't, well, it's just one step to blaming him for all the griefs that life hands you. And that's a bad place to be. The truth is that God is never the author of evil. He never does evil. He can do no wrong. In fact, every good thing that you have in your life, every perfect thing that I have in my life comes from him. The scripture says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting Shadows. He doesn't do evil. Personally, when I walked in ignorance, (laughs) I didn't understand this. And as a young man, as a teenager, and then as a young adult, I really struggled not to blame God for every single disappointment I faced in life. And that old thinking led me toward darkness, toward hopelessness, and toward despair. Disappointment, darkness, despair. It kind of reminds me, I want to tell you that disappointment has a couple of cousins, (laughs) a couple of relatives that you want to stay away from. The first I want to mention is darkness. Almost 50 years ago, Carly Simon sang a song called, That's the Way I Always Heard It Should Be. It was kind of a downer song about marriage. For example, one of the verses said, My friends from college, they're all married now. They have their houses and their lawns. They have their silent noons, their tearful nights. They're angry dawns, But you say it's time we moved in together, raised a family of our own, you and me. Well, that's the way I always heard it should be. You want to marry? We'll marry. It's a wonder after that downer song that anyone in that generation bothered to get married. But actually, Carly married James Taylor within a year of releasing that song. The opening lines of that song, though, are always what has stood out to me. Listen as I read those opening lines. My father sits at night with no lights on. His cigarette glows in the dark. The living room is still. I walk by. No remark. That's darkness, the cousin of disappointment. She is painting a picture with those words of a dark place to which unattended disappointment can take us. If left unchecked, disappointment can and will move you to a place of darkness. The other cousin of disappointment is despair. (laughs) Can you think of anything more undesirable than despair? I mean, it's tragic when you see someone who's lost their faith and can't trust. Absolutely tragic. And it's heartbreaking when you see someone who has stopped loving or wants to be loved and isn't being loved. That breaks your heart. But what of that person without hope? that person in despair. Even when the Bible is speaking of the greatness of love, it takes time to list with it faith and hope. It says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And indeed, love is the greatest, but you've got to have faith and hope in that same sentence when you're talking about important elements in life. Despair. The most famous writing on the topic of hell, and this is something we've talked about before, but I kind of want to give you a fresh perspective on it. The most famous writing on the topic of hell may well be have been penned by the 14th century poet and philosopher Dante in what he called his inferno, inferno. Now, I want you to think about that. If it's the 14th century, then he's writing, actually he wrote in the early 1300s. Frame that in history for a minute. 1611 is when the King James Bible was produced. So 16, 15, 14, 300 years earlier, this guy's writing this material about hell. It isn't real, the picture he paints. It's not even biblical, the picture he paints, but it is interesting. He has elements of insight that are very keen. Perhaps the most well-known part about these nine circles of torment that he details is right at the beginning of his script. He indicates that over the entranceway to hell, there is this sign posted, there is an inscription over the the top of the doorway into hell. Anyone know what it says? Who knows what it says? It says this, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Huh. So what Dante is saying is that there is in hell no hope. He is saying that to be in hell is to be without hope. And some might suggest that it would be equally correct to say that to be without hope is to be in hell. That despair is a torment all on its own and of its own making. Now, I tell you this, and I talk about this, not to frighten you, not even just to connect with you like, oh, don't we all feel bad about the society we're in? I'm not not even trying to connect with you. I'm telling you this to help you see that as you encounter disappointment in your life, you need to be intentional about how you respond to it. As you encounter things that let you down, you need to handle that disappointment in a very purposeful way, or else it will handle you. So I want to take a few moments and talk to you about the remedy for disappointment. And I want to say to you that everything you need in order to handle disappointment is revealed in the advent of Christ. Everything you need. Mother Teresa once wrote, the greatest disease in the West today is not tuberculosis or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. Did you ever think of despair and hopelessness and disappointment, did you ever think of those as being a sickness? I think you could, in, in this sense, to overcome deeply ingrained disappointment, deeply ingrained darkness and despair, will require something not unlike a healing act of God. It requires Emmanuel. By the way, you know that's one of the names that Jesus was, was given. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and that Christmas story says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The only true healing for disappointment, for darkness, and for despair, is Emmanuel, God with us. So at Advent, we sing this incredibly relevant song whose roots go back 1,200 years. 1,200 years ago, there were a group of Christian monks who were singing these words because they saw Emmanuel was the remedy for the darkness, disappointment, and despair common to humankind. Listen to their words. I will not sing them. I will read them. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. O come, thou Dayspring, come and cheer our spirits with thine advent here and drive away the shades of night and pierce the clouds and bring us light. O come, O branch of Jesse, Free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. O come, O bright and morning star, and bring us comfort from afar. Listen to what he prays. Dispel the shadows of the night, and turn our darkness into light. And then he says, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. The only true healing for disappointment, for darkness, for despair, is Emmanuel, God with us. He is what is needed for us to overcome disappointment. And he alone can bring a healing touch to take away our despair and our darkness. And that reality is reflected in the passage I asked you to open to 15 minutes ago. It's Isaiah chapter nine. It's written 700 years previous to Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And it speaks of his coming. Follow along silently as I read it. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at a harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing this plunder. For as in a day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Here, in those verses, in this scripture, written seven centuries before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, we are shown that the light comes from Jesus. In fact, He is the light. Can you remember when my daughter was born? (laughs) Like most babies, her liver had not fully developed upon birth, and she was a little bit jaundiced. And the doctor said, she'll be fine. Just take her home and during her daytime naps, make sure you have her near a window so that the sunlight can shine on her skin. Now, it kind of seemed to me like she had my daughter confused with a potted plant for a minute, right? But that sunlight gave Esther just what she needed. And she was well. I want to say to you that the light of the sun, the Son of God, is a healing agent in your life. And Advent speaks of that light in Isaiah 9. Right there, we just read verse 2 that says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. In the Gospel of John in 8.12, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me, (laughs) follow him. Ground your life in his teaching, the teaching we just covered over the past 16 sermons as we looked at his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Think about the Sermon on the Mount for a minute. When you choose humility and meekness and when you hunger for righteousness, then disappointment cannot hold you tightly in its grip. And if you're choosing to love your neighbor as yourself, darkness will lose its power in your life. And when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Despair is displaced by hope. If you want to be healed of your disappointment, walk in the light of the world. And as you walk, trust Jesus with the things that you do not understand. This child whose birth we celebrate at Advent is for us. It was right there in verse six. It says, for to us, a son is born for to us. A son is given. And and he is the ruler for us governing allowing all that to rest on his shoulders he is a counselor for us wonderfully guiding you through life's disappointments and he is the mighty god who is able to do anything and he is the everlasting father who cares for the needs of his children from now into eternity he's the prince of the peace, prince of peace bringing peace to your life and you can trust him to act wisely in the midst of your disappointment, with your best interest in mind. Many chapters after this, this is Isaiah chapter 9, when you get the whole way up to 52, it speaks of Jesus. And it says in verse 13, it calls him the servant of God, my servant. It says, see, my servant will act wisely. And he does. He understands what you and I don't. You can trust him to understand that. And he cares deeply for you. A chapter later in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And a punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are, anyone know the next word? Healed. healed. By his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep had gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus can heal your disappointments. Probably not all at once. That would be nice, maybe. But as you give your disappointments to Jesus, he brings a healing present. He brings his healing presence into your situation. He carried your darkness to the cross. He can heal your heart in this life. Advent reminds us that Jesus actually provides an unparalleled hope. There is coming a day when there will be no more disappointment. There is coming a day when despair will be as, as, as foreign as the concept of dial-up internet. There's coming a day when darkness will be as scarce as cassette tapes. Huh. You see, we have this incredible, confident hope about Jesus' rulership, That of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. That he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it in justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And it is so guaranteed, it is the zeal of the Lord that accomplishes it. Unparalleled hope. Disappointment's remedy? It's the advent of Jesus Christ. Let's take a minute and go back to Grace. Remember Grace Llewellyn Smith? Grace Llewellyn Smith, her tombstone reads sleeps but rests not, loved but was loved not, tried to please but pleased not, died as she lived, alone. So the good people of findagrave.com did some research for us because I've always wondered what's her story? Don't you want to know the backstory? Well, the good people at findagrave.com did that. They detailed it, and I read it. And after I read it, I, I said, Laura, I have to read you about Grace Llewellyn smith you remember her? And she said, yeah, I remember her. I remember reading about her tombstone. I don't know anything about her, but yeah. I said, L- let me read it to you. I'm not going to read it here. I'm going to just kind of give you the an, an overview. When Grace was 12 years old, her pelvis was broken in an automobile accident. They put her in a cast, a body cast, for what, probably six weeks, something like that, maybe eight? During that time that she was in that body cast, she developed appendicitis. So the doctors had to cut a hole in that cast and go in and do surgery to perform the appendectomy. That surgery at that time was so remarkable, it was written up in a local newspaper. Look what they did for this woman, this girl, Grace, 12-year-old girl. When she grew up, Grace left Texas. That's where she lived. And she went to West Tennessee Teachers College in Memphis, And while she was there in college, she got a part-time job working in a telephone company and learned a series of technological skills that would serve her later in life. At 21 years of age, she married a military man, and they had three sons. Because of his military career and all the moving around that they had to do, those sons attended 20 different schools in their lifetime. And during that time, her only sibling was killed in World War II on Valentine's Day over Belgium. After 20 years of marriage, she and her husband divorced, and following year, she buried her mother a week before Christmas. And two years later, she buried her father two weeks before Christmas. She married again, and uh, another military man, that marriage only lasted a few years, half dozen at the most. Toward the end of her life, she went back to Texas, to San Antonio, and using those old skills she learned at the phone company, she became a computer technician there in San Antonio. Children were grown up, she had no husband, and she died, as her epitaph said, alone while traveling. She died in a motel room alone. Now, please don't think of Laurel and I as being hard-hearted, but I read that to Laurel because I wanted to see if her reaction would be the same as mine. And when I was finished reading it, after a couple minutes, Laurel said, you know, I was kind of expecting something worse. And I said, I know, that doesn't sound nearly as tragic as the epitaph lets lets on. Because you and I know people who their life story was probably filled with much more disappointment than was Grace Llewellyn Smith. Honestly, we'll never know why those words are on Grace's headstone. But I know this, such feelings of disappointment, disappointment, despair, and darkness are exactly what Jesus came to extinguish. It is what Advent is for. Disappointment is bound to happen, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. I want to pray that as you turn your heart to the light, that God would heal your disappointment, deliver you from your despair, and displace your darkness with his glorious light. I'm gonna do something I don't generally do. (laughs) I'm gonna ask you to remain seated during the prayer, unless you've been dealing with this issue of disappointment and it's really kind of been getting you down. And then I want to afford you the opportunity to stand just in a moment, to stand and say, yeah, pastor, pray this prayer for me. So if that is you, if you've been dealing with disappointment and you would like me to pray for you. And I won't embarrass you or anything else, but I'm just asking you if you would stand right now, I will be praying for you. Anyone? And if you're at home, you don't have to stand. But if I get on my cell phone, maybe I can look and see you, right? But if you're at home, this prayer is for you too. Different people are standing here in a sanctuary. Maybe you're standing at home. Maybe you're sitting at home. Maybe you're sitting here in a sanctuary and you're saying, this is for me. I just feel disappointed. And maybe it's not just about Thanksgiving or Christmas. Maybe it's about a lot of things in life. I want to say to you that this Christ came to extinguish that. And his presence in your heart can vanquish that disappointment. Let's pray together to that end. Father in heaven, as we're standing here, we're aware that sometimes disappointment happens because we did a dumb thing. Often disappointment happens because we live in the world we live in. Often it's not our fault at all. These people who are standing before you, whether physically or in spirit or online, these people who are standing before you first, if they have done that which contributes to their disappointment, to the despair, to the darkness they their experience, they're sorry they did that. They confess, I did a dumb thing, I did a bad thing. They freely confess because they know when we confess our sins, you're faithful, you're just. You forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if this disappointment is of our own making, we confess that to you. If it's not of our own making, we come to you the same way, both of us, all of us, looking for healing. We recognize that it is the Spirit of God who dispels the evil. We recognize that any darkness must flee at the name of Jesus. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we dismiss disappointment, despair, darkness, and all their cousins and their aunts and uncles, their nieces and nephews, their brothers and sisters, the whole family tree. We dismiss that in the name of Christ. And we look for Emmanuel, the very presence of Christ, to fill that space that was formerly occupied by disappointment. There is no disappointment in Jesus. He's all that he promised to be. We recognize that. We will walk in the light as you are in the light, God. And we will have fellowship with one another because the blood of Christ your Son, purifies us from all sin. We trust you to heal our disappointment. In Jesus' most holy name, amen.